You have reached the voice mailbox of Game Thing, Season 4, Horror. You have 18 new messages. Monday, the 6th of February, at 2.56 p.m. Oh, hey. Uh, Pippin, it's David. I was just calling, uh, trying to get a hold of you. If you picked up, um, I just would ask you about... Um, just wondering, you know, if you subscribe to the belief that existing is at its base just deeply lonely and isolating, and, uh, you know, do you ever think about how you can never know other people fully, and do you experience life as just pain and suffering and alienating, you know, do you ever just sort of think their existence, just that it's rude, it just kind of, just it just generally honks you off, um, because if so, I think I have found a horror game that seems to explore that sort of uh material and subject matter uh i don't know a ton about this one it's called who's lila it came out in 2022 was developed uh by garage heathen and published by garage heathen with indie arc and uh i haven't played it yet i all i know is that it's a horror game uh, where you must use your face and change your expressions to communicate and survive or, quote, it's a reverse detective adventure where you control your character's face. Um, and there's some sort of specifically trained face-recognizing neural network uh, that gauges your facial expressions you input to the character you're controlling as the plot progresses. Um, yeah, I don't know a ton. So you dive in, I dive in, let's talk about it. And... Um, Let's try to feel better together, man. It's not that bad. It's not that lonely. We'll be lonely together. Okay, bye. Tuesday, the 7th of February at 10 a.m. Hey, David. Good choice. Who's Leela indeed? I think I already have ideas about who Leela is, but maybe I'll keep them to myself right now. Probably it makes sense to just lay out the basic play experience so that we can think about how it's related to the the horror of this particular game. So it's um, in some ways a pretty standard third-person point-and-click adventure game. Um, you click where you want to walk, you click on things to examine them or to interact with them, and this is all seen... Um, through a fixed camera in 3D, so you're walking around the world in 3D. Fixed camera like Alone in the Dark, which we know has some, some horror affordances. The graphics themselves are really dithered, extremely dithered, like old Mac-style uh, graphics, also low resolution. Um, and again, like Alone in the Dark, that plays into some of the kinds of ambiguities around what you're seeing, which can be advantageous to being scared because you don't know. And I guess the special thing about all of this is that, in fact, when you look at your screen, you're seeing the world on the left side that you're walking around in. Um, and you can you know, see your, your avatar character walking around. But on the right side, most of the time, it's got a display of your face or sometimes the face of someone that you're talking to. Uh, and your face just kind of, I don't know, sits there blinking occasionally occasionally it moves a little bit it's already kind of creepy as soon as it moves it's quite unnatural to look at it's not uh, it doesn't look like a real person's face 
And this is kind of the point of the game. One of the first things that you learn about your character is they say, quote, it's difficult for me to express emotions, end quote. And the core game mechanic outside of standard third-person adventure game stuff is that sometimes when you encounter another person, you need to make a facial expression at them <laughs> to act like a, a normal human being, which means that you get this timer and you have to react realistically. Um, and that means that if you, for example, want to smile at them, you have to manually use the mouse to drag the corners of your of your mouth up in the simulacrum of a smile. And so you you know you go around the world making faces at people to um, to have human style interactions with them. So there's this whole very alien, uh, dissociated experience between you and your face which I think is successfully communicated. I think one thing we're inevitably going to end up uh, talking about with this game is whether it <laughs> whether it's too funny, because some of the faces you can make look ridiculous. Um, however, it's already become apparent while playing that sometimes it changes the way your face looks independently of your control, and that obviously has some potential. Uh, so what's your, what's your initial hot take, David? I'm dying to know. Tuesday, the 7th of February, at 3.22 p.m. Yeah, I had a not small amount of concern and awareness that uh, whose Lila uh, might be too funny, as you said. Although I wasn't sure because I hadn't played it yet myself. I mean, I picked it because in Anatomy, uh, there was some talk from me about how there were no faces in that game and there was sort of nothing to do with the dread. And you've spoken in the past about like, oh, what if these games were reskinned or just handled in a completely different way? And I have an acute awareness that like a lot of horror games are just very dark, very, um, you know, first person perspective-y. Um, and I wanted to just try to shake that up. And this facial thing... Uh, I mean, at its core, means it's a game that has an unusual concept, and uh, it's an inherently unsettling one. Um, but at the same time, as aware, you know, that it has something of an ironic following online, with YouTubers, I guess, making fun of the faces, if you can imagine that. But, you know, as we've discussed in the past, there's a fine line, the candle's flame, that you sort of have to protect to stay in a horror game's possible um, and intended hold. And I think sometimes that temptation to laugh at something is a way to not deal with it. You know, it's a it's a defense mechanism. And so, I don't know. I mean, there's a whole other fine line that you must protect, too, that we found earlier, like with regard to comedy and horror. I mean, I, I see it, and it's there. Um, and ultimately, the game will do what it's going to do. Uh, and as for what's going on here in Who's Lila, I'm not entirely sure. I can only explain the setup, and I think, as we discussed, there's 15 different endings, so uh, what happens is sort of up to you and your curiosity and uh, your willingness to sort of re-explore what happens, but you play as, for lack of a better term, you play as a haunted Michael Sarah-looking guy, a high schooler named Will, um, on the day that a girl named Tanya Kennedy has suddenly gone missing. And the only thing your friends know is that you were the last one to see her alive. Um, but also in the setup, it seems like you're somehow involved in some sort of clandestine criminal conspiracy. 
Uh, and there's probably just a lot of things here that aren't quite what they seem. Though, like yourself, I feel like I can probably guess who Lila is, but I think although that's the name of the game, I'm not sure that it's the most impactful question for us. Um, I mean, the obvious other question that the game is asking is like, you know, what is inside us controlling us? Bye. Tuesday, the 7th of February at 5.58 p.m. Tuesday, the 7th of February at 8.23 p.m. Hey, uh, David. I think you gave us the lay of the land in your last message pretty well, although I think in your inimitable style, saying the guy looks like Michael Serra takes us careening down the path of comedy, uh, maybe more than necessary. I actually kind of feel like he looks and acts a little bit like the main character from the TV show You, which is about a kind of psychopathic killer. Uh, Rilla watches that, and so I've seen bits and pieces of it over time myself. Um, I will say that the thing that's kind of missing maybe from your description is that there's a very large helping of the occult in this. It's pretty clear that our character is possessed by a demon and that that demon is called uh, Lila. I really want to pronounce it Lila, but they actually pronounce it Lila in the game. And there may be other occult figures around. I, I ran into an ending where something inside the boiler room um, ate me or did something that was was maybe not good for me, or maybe it was fine. I, I honestly don't know. It was very ambiguous. But there's definitely, yeah, a strong flavor of demons going on. Um, I think that... The face stuff, which obviously, you know, there's there's no way to avoid thinking about it as kind of the core of the game in a lot of ways. It's really the main thing that you do that's unique, uh, is tweaking your facial expressions when you're trying to say something. And I think that there's something something nice about it. So, for, in, for instance, you try and get into a condo building and an older gentleman tries to stop you. And you've got to work out the facial expressions that will make him let you in. And so I tried all sorts of stuff. But in the end, it turned out I needed to look angry and scare him. Uh, and then, you know, to counterbalance something like that, I tried looking scared when the police were interrogating me about somebody I may or may not have murdered <laughs> earlier. <laughs> um, and that was effective, too. Right. Like, so there's this idea. I think there's this there's this turn in the game, which is that the game starts and it seems like it's about a sort of a person who finds it difficult to express their emotions um, with their face, and you think that you're kind of there to help them, I suppose. And I think more and more, the deeper you go, it's clear that you are you're manipulating them to have the kinds of facial expressions that will help you do what you want to do. Now, what does that mean about who you are? I leave the ball in your court. But I also cannot resist quoting the love song of Alfred J. Prufrock by T.S. Eliot here, because it's one of my favorite poems, and I think it fits. Quote, There will be time, there will be time, to prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet. There will be time to murder and create, and time for all the works and days of hand that lift and drop a question on your plate. Time for you, and time for me. 
and time yet for a hundred indecisions and for a hundred visions and revisions before the taking of a toast and tea. The toast and tea bit at the end is maybe a bit off-brand for horror, but, you know, the game is very, very openly inspired by David Lynch, and that's fine. There's all sorts of, you know, there's Tulpa stuff, there is direct references to movies like Blue Velvet, and I think that inspiration is great, but I, I'm intrigued and pleased by how much the Eliot poem also kind of fits with what's going on in this game. Just something for you to think about while you're having your toast and tea, David. Bye-bye. Wednesday, the 8th of February, at 4 p.m. You know, I will double down on the Michael Sarah thing. And uh, I will also see that you're raising me a Joe Goldberg from Netflix's You, Season 4, Part 1, coming to Netflix, February 9th, tomorrow. Uh, because there's sort of a inherent tragedy to both characters, or if we're conflating Michael Sarah to say that he's only George Michael in Arrested Development, like both those characters as the character we play on, uh, play as in uh, Who's Lila, uh, like there's just a profound frustration or just like in their earnestness or inability to connect um, when they so badly want to, and that's like, a central part of what playing Who's Lila is about is navigating. And I think that it's actually a thing that pops up in horror quite a bit. Like, there's a whole subcategory of psychological horror, which I don't know if that applies to Who's Lila or not. It's definitely part of it. Uh, I'm reminded of... Um, there was a 1992 game called Dark Seed, which basically replaced David Lynch here for H.R. Geiger, and you get a good idea of what it is. Um, but what I often remember about that game is you'll reach a point where nobody in town will talk to you, and that's because if you're thinking like a game player, you forget to have your character shower daily, which means eventually you notice everyone's keeping a distance from you because you're gross, they won't even talk to you, so you're stalled and you're unable to <laughs> even progress in the game because you just can't make anything happen with anybody else. So, you know, what's strange about Lila, who's Lila, is the face is the central focus. We wind up largely poker-facing in this role, even if, as you just mentioned, uh, the character's face is going to be at odds with what you're maybe trying to do. And, you know, maybe we murdered the person that we're being accused of murdering. Uh, we should talk a little bit about the police investigation and how that winds up opening up a whole bunch of other paths and complications and things you can actually sort of dip back to. Um, but I noticed, you know, you mentioned, like, we both started off thinking, like, you thought you said this and... I thought this, like, I think we both thought we started off, like, we're here to sort of help the main character. And I guess I just wonder, like, why is there this default assumption that we're here to be nice and reasonable? You know, to get into the apartment, it took me a few tries to realize, like, oh, I got to I gotta kind of be, you know, intimidating and be angry. Like, but, like, what if we're stepping into the spotlight here as someone who deserves what they're getting? And, uh... Why is that like a slow dawning realization, you think? Because um, that seems like the thing we both went through. And since you mentioned you, I just want to say 
previously on you. Thursday, the 9th of February, at 11.18 a.m. David, uh, Pippin here calling you to say, oh, we 100% killed Tanya Kennedy in some capacity. Um, and a lot of the game turns on what that means. And we may kill again. And I think, you know, that question of why we're trying to benefit Will, the Avatar, I mean, I think it's as simple as that's what you do in video games generally, right? Um, we assume that we are Will because we're in control of Will's movement and in this case in control of Will's face. And therefore we think it's us and we should do good things for us. Subverting that idea of caring for the Avatar is pretty unusual in video games. Uh, you have things like, you know, torture houses in The Sims where people, you know, whatever, put a sim in a swimming pool with no ladders, uh, etc. But by and large, we're, we're looking out for the Avatar because the Avatar is us. Um, and it's a slow dawning realization that this may not entirely be the case in Who's Lila because the game doesn't let us realize that things are very strange in this universe immediately. Um, the setup of the game is very normal. You're at home. Uh, your home looks pretty ordinary. You take out the trash, <laughs> although that does admittedly come to have a, a different resonance later. And you go to school, you meet your friends, blah, 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 right? I mean, it's it's very normal. It could be 902 winner. Um, and so you, at some point that you encounter the weirdness, right? And I think I've already described it, but my first vision of how the world wasn't what I thought it was was at the train station where the character Strupnev, uh, who's, I don't, I still don't know who he is, he's creepy, uh, but he was calling me Lila and talking about how he wanted to cut her out of me and he wanted her. Um, and then he got killed by a demon in the boiler and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, all is not as I thought it was. It's not a normal life right now. And that destabilization is like it it makes you question who you are and so it revolves really centrally around that question of like who is William who is Lila who are we and how do those things relate uh, to one another uh, and so for instance when Will's uh, face is distorting while we're trying to control it ourselves and you know who are we in that situation his face is doing one thing we're trying to do another thing he says he can't control his face at all um, so, for instance, he starts smiling when he's being interrogated about Tanya's murder by the police, uh, while we might be trying to make him look neutral or surprised. Um, so are we a co-pilot in William's soul? I think the answer is yes, but what's our motivation, you know? And then an important question I want to get to as well. Uh, is it scary? What are the small scares done well? Thursday, the 9th of February at 12.48 p.m. I mean, the small scares done well, for me, are when control is forcibly pulled away from you. And there's obvious ways Lila does this, like with the face, and sometimes uh, whatever is in you speaks, um, and there's like a different font for that, and a whole other facial expression, usually exposing the bottom row of teeth. Um, but also just generally, you know, there's this unmoored day-to-day -day existence William has that you join him in. Like, you go to school and can come and go as you please. There's a weird need to constantly visit boiler rooms in the industrial underbelly of the town you live in. Why? Not exactly clear yet. Maybe in subsequent 
um, the other seven endings I haven't seen yet. Um, but beyond that, there's like this weird, almost dreamlike way whose Lila messes with temporality, um, which just makes you unmoored as the player. Like, I'm not sure if you've played it yet or seen it, but you can learn of the address of the party that was the last night um, your victim was seen alive, and I guess you take the bus there and suddenly it's the other night, or it's yesterday. Uh, it's just You just took a bus to yesterday. And uh, the save states, you know, including the autosaves, are delineated by whether you or your character is awake or asleep. Uh, you, know, you click into the game, you start by, you have to click on wake up. Uh, and then, like, another thing, just sort of poking at the reality, the very tender, subtle, light way everything is strung together that just makes you, you know, feeling pretty lost, skeptical of everything you see is the introduction of Detective You, who seems to be talking to both you and your avatar and sort of is the only one trying to figure out what's really going on. You can only visit him not by playing it, but loading an autosave that's created that seems to exist completely outside of the game. Um... But, you know, just the, as you mentioned with the dithered graphics, I mean, you just, you can't really trust anything you see. Like, there's no solid shapes anywhere, really. And on headphones, the audio is just very compressed and straining. So it's just a big, uh, unsettling stew. Um, so, I mean, those just all sort of contribute and add up for me, um, I did mention Detective You. I do want to talk a little bit about the interrogation with you. Um, but what about for you, Y-O-U, Pippin? Uh, what are the small scares done while you're seeing here so far, if any? It's okay if there's none. Okay, bye. Thursday, the 9th of February at 8.11 p.m. Thursday, the 9th of February, at 9.25 p.m. Hiya, Dave. How you been? It's Pippin here. What are the small scares done well for me? Um, well, I was walking around in a snowstorm earlier thinking about this uh, while I was gonna, going to pick up Felix. And I think one of the... One of the things I liked about this game and this has happened more than once, but I feel like it reveals another facet of horror, right? Because I think it's it's very reasonable to say that this is a horror game. Horrible things are happening. But it doesn't scare me. There are essentially no small scares done well because there has not been a moment when I have felt scared while playing this game. But it is still a horror game, and I am really enjoying it. And I think the relationship I have to it is kind of of interest and curiosity around what's going on and a sort of, a, I guess, a professional interest in how it pursues the kinds of effects that it's looking for. That's a little abstract. But, for instance, there's a scene, as I'm sure you know, where you kill Martha who is one of the friend group that you are sort of a part of, who suspects that you killed Tanya Kennedy, which you did. 
um, and you murder her, you get into her apartment, um, as you said, by intimidating the the older gent at the door, and then you hide in her apartment, I think it's in the closet or something, and that's the first moment for me where the game changes perspective, um, at least in my playthrough. So normally it's third person, you can see your character walking around in spaces on a fixed camera. Uh, when you go into Martha's apartment, it switches to first-person perspective, and you can swing your view around with the mouse and, and look into her room and comment kind of um, unpleasantly on her decor and, and things like that, her messy bed. And then she comes in and you murder her. All of that is essentially a cutscene, uh, owing much to David Lynch, of course, uh, but it's pretty... because it is, in essence, a young man... Uh, it, you know, albeit possessed by a demon, murdering a young woman by strangling her in her bedroom. It's very creepy and very unpleasant, and it's a reminder to me uh, that that's one of the the kind of that's one of the kinds of things that I find very chilling and and kind of moving is the portrayal of very realistic um, brutality, very realistic murder in this case. And the game, you know, so for me, that's kind of like that was a a highlight of how the game has felt creepy rather than rather than um, scary. But I think, you know, I, to me, one of the big difficulties is just that I'm really enjoying playing it as a game and figuring it all out. And that detracts from the horror. Friday, the 10th of February at 2.01 p.m. Who's Lila is, right, creepy and chilling, but not scary per se. And I guess that's why we're seeking small scares this season. Like, it's not really that helpful or insightful to be like, hmm, when that axe murderer came at me, it really had me feeling things. Um, and at the same time, I think, like, really only teenagers go to haunted houses to cross their arms. So uh, we'll just have to stay watchful and try to, be vigilant. Um, you know, it's like, Who's Lila is creepy in the way that, like, you can go on Google Maps and look at your own house and wonder who else has looked at it. And I guess another thing to tap into is, like, is it horror how much logic you wind up projecting onto the wispiness of how it all hangs together? Like, I think there's a lot of really clever sleight of hand happening. Um, in the game and how often it contradicts itself in the writing. Like, I don't think it's a mistake. It's more like, hmm, this isn't adding up. Uh, it forces you to pay closer attention, but of course the reward is further confusion and feeling unsettled and kind of all melts together. Um, but you will have more to say than I will, because you're going to wind up rowing ahead of me on Who's Lila because I've reached all the possible endings that are uh, possible uh, on Steam Deck, because the game uh, starts to do things that sort of break the game, like it has endings you can quit out of, which we saw in Anatomy, but also um, you have to literally install a demon to corrupt your save or something, or something that's only possible to do on uh, desktop with the game that's only open that you can't do on Steam Deck. So there's that, and then there's a bunch of endings I saw that are endings, and then endings that are quote-unquote endings. Um, which we'll get into, but that's enough reporting and status update from me. Um, 
I want to touch back on something you said that I'm not sure in games is necessarily true with regard to default to playing the good guy. Like, I'm thinking of... It's such a tropey, well-worn reference or touchstone, but I'm thinking of, like, Red Dead Redemption. Like, any game with a clear morality binary that's presented to you... Um, there's always in the course of a playthrough some whim that strikes you and you're just going to be like, you know what, I'm going to be bad here because the game's telling me I'm bad and, and screw it. You know, that's, that's, that's cool. Let's go down that path. Let's see. Um, in Who's Lila, there's none of that. You know, there's a lot of criti uncritical ambiguity about the only clearest thing that's going on in the game, which is a lot of violence, uh, at least two murders, which is real. You know, it happens. People do murder each other, which means... I mean, maybe the most horror thing going on here is how all that lands, depending on your sort of desensitization to horror and senseless acts of brutality, which sadly are a fact of um, life. Right? Bye. Friday, the 10th of February, at 4.03 p.m. Hey, David, it's Pippin. Yeah, when I was talking earlier about our relationship to Will as an avatar, I don't think I was saying that I thought that it was typical in a video game to think that we're the good guy. Uh, you're right, there's plenty of games uh, where you're a not very nice person for one reason or another. I was saying that generally our relationship with the avatars that we are trying to help them do what they want to do or what they seem to want to do. So if we're a bad guy, then we do bad things. Uh, but because Will comes across as initially as this very sort of ordinary student living in his apartment, we, you know, instinctively want to do things that fit with that. Uh, we're, we're looking out for him. Um, I'm curious, too, actually, your, your comment about finding explicit contradictions in the ways that the, the game lays out its story uh, I know that we're both well aware of how how much this game owes to David Lynch, and we know that David Lynch is very comfortable with contradiction and ambiguity in his storytelling, and it may be the case that this game is deploying that too um, and for, trying to throw us off track by saying different things at different times. But I wonder which ones you specifically caught. I know that my my moments of confusion along those lines often stem from not being sure who's talking uh, when, well, when we talk or when Will talks or when Lila talks or perhaps when some other entity talks, but it's coming kind of through Will. And that's a very confusing experience and has remained confusing as I continue to play and know more and more about what's going on. I'm, I guess I'm just going to respond to stuff here. I'm, I'm sorry to hear uh, as well about your limitations with the Steam Deck and uh, the demon or the daemon which you can obtain when you go to whatever it is, another dimension and talk to the prince uh, and he provides you with the Steam store link to a piece of software called the Demon, which you can then install on your computer and which you run um, before you run the game who's Lila and it opens up as this tiny little application with a picture of a little clay figure um, and hilariously actually when it starts running, running it also starts with created in unity. <laughs> um, but then while that's running, as you play the game, it will occasionally uh, pipe up with some information that can help you, or it can occasionally materialize objects that you need in the game, like a key, for example. So it does un unlock certain parts of the story that are inaccessible otherwise. And so it's, yeah, it's a shame that you don't have that. 
Um, I'm going to cut myself off here. I just wanted to hear you talk, though, a little bit about the the scene in which we murder Martha and what aspects of that struck you. It's Pippin. Bye. Monday, the 13th of February, at 11.19am. I think it might just be that who's Lila is so successful in feeling like a fragmented dream, nightmare, really, that it's hard to sort of speak concisely uh, and clearly about it. Um, And I think, although we've talked about the facial stuff, quote-unquote, we haven't really talked about, like, what that means, what that looks like, how it plays out. Um, But to me, it just sort of makes William, like, such a cipher that it's not really clear, like, as the player, like, what I want to have happen or what I, like, what's the destination I think he deserves. Um, Just a little bit, like, about the interrogation I wanted to touch on. But, you know, I mean, the central lie in the TV show You, in Dexter, anything like that is, like, the main character says they want to stop killing. But we, the main character, the viewer... Uh, every 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 way that gets mashed up together, like we don't really believe it, but it has to be there as something to root for. Um, and there's just you know there's a big irony in where I am because I can't progress at what is probably the halfway point. And I think there's just a limit on what I can understand, but I've replayed over the weekend like every possible branch, and I think I have a much better sense of like the progression. Where in time all these events fit together, some of it, of course, makes no sense. Some of the pieces, I mean, I think I like I see all the pieces that do not fit together, um, which means I sort of see the whole picture, but I also assume I'm wrong. So um, just to run down, like, there's a lot of contradictions in the game, big and small, which I'm sure are intentional. Um, some of the weird things I noticed, as you'd mentioned, like, sometimes when you speak, you see William's name. Most of the time, not. We can guess at what this means, like... William introduces himself like out of nowhere outside of the apartments as he's uh he's he's, like saying oh I'm here to investigate the fire uh which is just a weird stilted way of talking and then you only see William's name at that burned apartment at the party and outside the school floors in a whole other sequence um where I don't know what's going on it seems like he's talking to the idea of Tanya um other contradictions William's face is shocked when Dale Cooper, I mean Ellie Cooper, mentions you can find Martha in the classroom next door. Um, Even though, whether you've been there or not, it's like a shock to you. Um, Martha also says on the roof that she's aware of Detective U, who no one else in the game knows about, and even the police in one ending will say like he doesn't exist. Um, Another one, Tanya will call out your face for being a dunce. Um, as if everyone else's faces in the game are not also sort of alarming and weird. Um, and then there's just also this thing where the occult underworld gives you, like, Sierra points for doing as the Dark One seems to want. Um, but because this is a game, uh, you don't really think about it, but it's just like this weird under-the-hood thing that just doesn't really register. Um, and then there's just this really weird fourth wall breaking thing at the beginning where William, not as William, has to explain he has to make an effort. Uh, every muscle 
uh, has to be moved consciously to make facial expressions. And you see this after you click wake up, which sort of suggests that William is in the middle of the room, maybe minding his own business before we intervene and take over. Um, and then I don't know if it's a contradiction, but it does pop up in the Martha sequence. Um, there's at least two instances I can think of where Will's shadow looks like a rabbit, at least uh, like Martha strangled turns into a rabbit for a fraction of a second and it happens somewhere else. Um, and there's just, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot to talk about in this game. Like it's like deceptively small or deceptively large. Like I'm really curious to just, I kind of want to see a flow chart of how this all fits together. Um, which I don't know what that really says about horror. Um, but there's just like a weird dream, like logic to it. Um, you know, I had the suspicion that some of the faces you make at certain points open or close other paths later. Um, you see it in a small way with the school, but you really have no way how it works, and the game doesn't tell you how it works. And um, I don't know. I mean, as far as Martha, it's just like there's no gore in that scene. It's all about the faces. It's an interesting way to depict violence. And I don't know the tropes of horror, but I still think it comes back to, like, are you desensitized, Pippin? Like, does that not... Monday, the 13th of February, at 11.30 a.m. Monday, the 13th of February, at 1.28 p.m. Hey, David. Uh, it's Pippin. It's really good to have that sort of almost textual analysis approach to the game. I'm glad that you played it with so much attention to detail and... For sure, there's plenty of confusion being sown by Garage Heathen, <laughs> the game's creator. And, you know, lynch, 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 right? I do, I, in the time remaining, I, I do want to keep pulling towards the game's status as a horror game. And in particular, the kind of techniques that revolve around that. Uh, because I'm not, I'm certainly not totally desensitized to the things that the game's doing, because things, that it does stand out to me. And I wanted to just, like, lay them out in case they speak to anything uh, for you as well. And I think the biggest thing that I think is the most powerful is because you you start the game controlling the face and it's very pliant. You can make, it, make whatever expression you want, uh, inappropriate or not, uh, but there are there are moments in the game where the face moves on its own, and in particular when the face expresses an emotion that is scary. Um, most obviously, the face smiles uh, when I think it's the police or maybe it's the friend group are talking about Tanya's murder, and the face smiles unless you fight it out of that expression. And it's this moment where you realize you're not alone inside inside William's head, if William's even there, right? And it's also playing with, you know, the classic aspect of video games, which is that the player expects to be in control. So making us not in control is scary at a mechanical level. And making that lack of control indicate that there's a creepy presence in there with us is also um, very effective, I think. Uh, the game also does use classic chase sequences. There's one with Strupnev, and there's actually one with Lila as well, if you get the tower ending, that play into that, I guess, that idea of the fear of being touched 
by something horrible or horrifying. Kind of hitbox horror is how I might characterize that. <laughs> and there's the trash bag, actually, which I think is a really understated piece of horror because it gets recontextualized. When you first play the game, it's just the trash and you take it out because you need to. But when you eventually learn that the trash bag has Tanya's torso in it, then the repetition of that action means something else. And I think that that's a really nice piece of work in this game, uh, building horror around something innocuous. As, as you've returned to before, Martha's murder is definitely, I think, a very cinematic scene. It's classic cinematic horror in the Lynchian style, slowed down sounds, awkward close-ups, disorienting uh, angles, very Bob from Twin Peaks, right? And I think the shift to first-person controls that come sometimes again echo that idea of changing your agency in a way that can be scary. Uh, what stands out to you? Monday, the 13th of February, at 5.23 p.m. Oh, gosh. I mean, the trash bag was the one I was going to mention. I feel like we've wrung the towel pretty dry here as far as covering what's in here. And I'm not sure if we've come any closer to a consensus here. Re, is it horror? Is it comedy? Feels like we're sort of planting the bookends a little bit in different places. Because that was like a big thing I saw when I picked it. People saying it's filled with the lulls. And definitely spent some time looking on YouTube. Um, there's just as many streamers, if that matters to us, laughing at it and sort of performing uh, their reactions to it, um, i.e. it feels a little bit much to be seeing someone, as I did, rocking back and forth in fear. Um, I feel like if this is a horror game, it's an existential horror game, and those are the sort of things that, to me, keep you up at night or take you out of yourself or make you feel unable to relate to others or unable to click into daily life um, more than like, oh my God, that sort of thing. But you know, what do I know? Um, it takes me a good deal of effort to consciously move my facial muscles to relate to others. <laughs> um, which I guess hits on something, too, which is, like, who's Lila seems to be saying, if you look the part and fake it, you can make it. Um, when, in fact, there are all these forces within Will I Am, Clark is his last name, um, that sort of suggests he's not doing as good a job as he thinks we are, as we're led to think he is. So... I don't know. I mean, it's just strange, and it's definitely strange in the way David Lynch's stuff can be strange. Um, which I guess is saying, like, it's hitting its mark. But I still want to tug at, like, what that means for horror, because I don't think it really struck me in the way David Lynch's stuff has, i.e., memorably, the end of the original series um, with Cooper. 
just being changed. Um, I remember that really getting to me. Um, how about you? Any last thoughts before we run out the tape and have to take the trash out ourselves? Okay, bye. Monday, the 13th of February at 7.47 p.m. How's Annie? How's Annie? And how are you, David? It's Pippin here. And I think the towel is still at least damp, but we are basically out of time, so um, I won't... I won't try and introduce anything too new. I will say, I think, that Who's Lila is definitely a horror game. I think that people who choose to laugh at it are making a choice, and they're essentially avoiding the proposition that the game is making. Um, and yeah, the, the, a lot of the faces and the expressions they make look silly. They look silly because of something cool that the maker, Garage Heathen, is, is trying to do which is that whole idea of facial control. And quite reasonably, they make the other faces express themselves with the same kind of expressive language. And that means everybody looks kind of silly. And that's just the way the faces look in, in this world, I suppose. Um, I don't really think it's the game's fault. And I think laughing at it is just evading the horror of the situation. The, the only thing I did want to add in the limited time is just the fact that it's one of those games where you collect endings is, I think, I don't know. I think it can go either way, but I think it's been detrimental to my experience of the kind of existential horror of things. It's, you know, it's a game that has an endings menu or an endings option in the menu screen, so you can see which endings you've got. Um, it's fairly easy to find out that there are 15 endings, maybe plus one at the end. And I definitely, especially in the back half of playing, was finding myself trying to, you know, collect endings. And that really turns the story into a kind of set of Pokemon or something, right? Like, you're just trying to get them. You're not really drawn as much into thinking about them and worrying about them because it's more like, I got strength. I got the tower, um, and, and less so the existential dread of what happened in the tower. Uh, all told, though, who is Layla? Tuesday, the 14th of February, at 9.53am. Hmm, it's almost like playing a video game. It's like something else is inside us controlling us and why are we doing these things um but yeah i mean the endings thing is uh totally a thing uh as you're saying as far as who lila is uh muppet.fandom.com tells me lila is a monster who appears in episode 2848 of sesame street and lila is first seen playing a game of wubba ball in the park with her monster friends when Elmo comes along and asks if he can play. Uh, one of the monsters, Greta, refuses to let him join in, saying only blue monsters are allowed. Uh, however, Lila doesn't think fur color should make any difference, and since the Wubba Ball is hers, she insists that Elmo be allowed to uh, play in the game. Oh, but if you're talking about Lila from this game, um, I'll be happy to tell you she's... Uh... End of messages. Thank you for calling GameThing. For more information, please hang up and dial 
gamething.life. Goodbye.